0: hey it, hey it's jim marshall here with the cottage country insider uh podcast this is episode four we've got a really interesting guest uh this morning actually this afternoon we have kelly draycott who's a paralegal here in perry sound welcome to the show kelly Thanks, Jim. i'm glad to have you on um can you kind of in a in a nutshell Tell uh, people what a paralegal does b- beyond what a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about, uh, you know, re- residential tenancies.
1: Um, a paralegal uh, has limited scope, as in, we can't do the same thing as lawyers, such as real estate transactions, uh, superior court, which is uh, claims over $35,000. What paralegals, such as myself, practice is Landlord-Tenant Board, which is uh, a tribunal uh, that deals with uh, landlord and tenant disputes. Mm -hmm. The other main focus is Small Claims Court, which is any type of uh, uh, civil action um, that the monetary value is $35,000 or less. So that's the main um, components of a paralegal. Paralegals also do traffic tickets, uh, stuff like that. I'm fortunate enough I'm one of very few in Ontario that is also a prosecutor uh, uh, for instance with a few uh, municipalities uh, around this district where I focus on part one and part three um, um, offense offenses when it comes to bylaw and um, fire code infractions so um, that's the main scope of paralegals
0: so you would do like if there was a noise complaint if somebody had, I don't know, a cottage rental and there's people there, then if the municipality had a bylaw saying you can't have them or rules, then you'd be prosecuting the, the, uh, the owners of the property.
1: That is correct. And uh, um, the charges are laid by the municipality uh, bylaws. And if the person wants to dispute um, the part one charge, there'd be a trial and that's what we would prosecute. Part three is an actual summons, which is a more serious offense uh, for different infractions where it automatically leads to automatic court appearances.
0: Now, would you have those in front of a judge, a uh, someone's acting as a judge or a JP?
1: It, it's uh, all these matters are in the provincial offenses uh, court, which is in mm-hmm. front of a justice of the peace
0: for the justice of the peace at the Paris Home Council Chambers.
1: Uh, uh, In this uh, jurisdiction, yes. And fire infractions, uh, you know, for uh, homeowners and landlords are very, very serious. Uh, If it's owned by uh, an individual, the property, um, the maximum fine per count is $50,000 and or one year imprisonment. If it's owned by an incorporation, um, it's $100,000 and or uh, one year of imprisonment. So sometimes when I receive um, uh, a summon with the information, some landlords are being charged or uh, owners 15 to 17 counts on one information. Well, you do the math.
0: Wow. I,
1: I, I actually had a conviction uh, on a property owner in Perry Sound approximately five years ago, which was in the paper. And I think his fines totaled just off the top of my head, $124,000, and it was one of the highest fines ever levied against a a property owner uh, in Ontario without a fatality. Um, So that's uh, how serious uh, the offenses are um, today.
0: Wow, wow. And these are mostly, these are tenanted buildings that don't have proper uh, smoke detectors, things like that.
1: Uh, smoke detectors, uh, means of aggress is huge. Uh, means of aggress for the layperson is uh, hallways need to be clear. Stairways need to be clear. There can't be bikes in it. There can't be barbecues in it. Uh, fire separation is huge when it comes to apartment buildings. Uh, those are some examples.
0: Well, well, we always say when we're dealing with resi- with, a, with a residential tenancy or whatever um, it's a good idea to bring uh, the fire whoever the fire in the fire department they're designated is it to do a walk through these places and just say this needs to be changed this needs to be changed before there's any type of complaint. And- it's
1: interesting you say that Jim because uh, you know have my I don't know, 18 years or whatever um by working with landlords um once i got involved uh with the one municipality that uh, uh hired me there was a myth that from landlords or property owners that if you brought in the fire prevention officer and there was a problem they would charge you automatically that's a myth you invite them in um as a prosecutor we want compliance uh we want uh people safe and that that goes right back to the firefighters, that if there's an issue, they're put in danger. And w- you know, that's why I was brought on, and especially at that time uh, by working with approximately, I don't know, 85, 90 percent of the landlords here in Perry Sound. Um, I I broke that myth and it has been successful, um, like you say, uh, to bring in um in town it's mr tuck and he does an overview and you know exactly what needs to be done it's there's no charges um you know it's it's a service and for proper reason
0: well it's it's incredible the amount of myths the go around the residential tenancy act which is the legislation that is the the blueprint the legal br- blueprint for for tenancies in ontario so can you kind of paraphrase and like a minute or I, we could talk about the residential tenancy after half an hour but can you kind of give an overview of what it does
1: well and you said an, um myth. the biggest myth was that you could never evict a tenant in the winter That was the hugest myth. Um, You can evict a tenant at any time, any day. Um, That I don't know where that started, but uh, that's another story. But Residential Tenancies Act uh, is a tribunal, once again, that is based on disputes between landlords and tenants. Uh, Ninety nine point five percent of my work is uh, for landlords. Uh, I barely ever Uh, Jump on the other side. I call it Um, The residential tenancies act is well About 600 pages (laughs) hard to paraphrase Um, and uh, Over reading over incidences over the years uh, you become familiar with every act uh, every section uh, within uh, the RTA and um, (sighs) and The greatest part about the Residential Tendencies Act—it's actually written uh, to protect landlords. Um, What a landlord must do—it's very uh, clear, um, you know, the notice, what you should do in certain circumstances. The bias that comes is number one: the delay to get into court. Uh, uh, Pre-pandemic, we were approximately two months out for a a hearing um maybe three months out uh since the pandemic uh we started back practicing i want to say in august september of 2020 and at that time there was a backlog of approximately eight months for a hearing um i am a stakeholder i go to meetings um with the landlord tenant board and things were going to change we're supposed to catch up I can tell you as of today, we're still eight months behind. Um, nothing has changed, which is the bias towards landlords. Um, there's no um, shortcuts to the landlord-tenant board. There's no fast process to the land, land landlord-tenant board. Uh, it is what it is. And um, the other bias is that landlords have to pay me or a paralegal or a lawyer, to represent them, all tenants get free duty counsel um, provided by legal aid. So uh, every tenant uh, has representation and the bias comes also uh, with the landlords. Uh, Some landlords do it uh, self-rep as in they have that right, Um, but anybody that has ever been dealing with a tenant and has dealt with a termination form, which is an N4 and N5 and N12, there's something called termination dates. And they're very important if they're 14 days out, 20 days out, 60 days out, fixed terms. If you're out by one day and you've waited eight months for a hearing and that tenant owes you $20,000 and you're out one day, the application is automatically tossed and you are told to start again.
0: Back back in the old days, and I'm not going to go back too long, but back 10 years ago, we in our industry normally would serve notices for um, for purposes like you know vacant possession and things like that. Right now, because of those timelines are just so uh, not hard to do, you know, to be compliant, we're not doing this all the time. It's difficult. That's why you know we have our landlords contact you and have you do it just to make sure because you know eight months become 16 months and one day with a bit of a script it's not worth it
1: i had a situation two years ago on a resident in Perry sound where a real estate agent actually did the n12 notice and it was coming up by just off the top of my head july 31st that real estate agent um informed that seller uh, that if that tenant didn't move out on that day the OPP would uh, show up and toss the tenant. Well I, I get a phone call I believe it was like July 29th and I had to give the bad news to uh, that landlord of this pending sale that couldn't close because the tenant wasn't going anywhere. and furthermore the N12 was defective it was done incorrectly. and furthermore, real estate agents can't sign an a notice. Um, as per the law society rules, um, we had to start again. And, uh, there was, um, another person that was supposed to move in. They sold their house. So they were living in a hotel. It was just, it it went everywhere and, uh, it probably took me seven months to finally get rid of that tenant and for that real estate, um, transaction to close.
0: Wow. Well, there's and, and, and then you
1: once you get the notice
0: and you get so you so you go to the tribunal, you have the authority from the tribunal to be able to say evict and get vacant possession of a unit. How long does it take from that point to when the the, the tenant actually leaves,
1: and what's that process? Well, it depends what type of application to start with. So if it's a rental arrears application and let's let's say I appeared today, Um, And the tenant, it doesn't matter if they owe $2,000, $10,000, $20,000. A standard order, uh, they're provided 11 days uh, from the date of writing the order for that tenant uh, to pay those arrears. If they do, then the order is null and void. That's the end of it. If they don't, uh, then at the end of that period, you're able to hire enforcement, which is Uh, a.k.a. the sheriff, um, that costs $315 plus mileage to come in uh, to evict the tenants. And that usually right now is taken approximately three weeks. And down in Barrie, it's approximately three weeks as well. Uh, That's the areas I deal with. Um, But the problem is because of the backlog through the LTB and them trying to run as many hearings, there's another issue going on. What I said was the date of signing the order. I've had uh, such as a hearing today. I might not get the order for a month and a half, two months, and then there's your bias again. I can't do anything without that court order, and um, th- there's issues with the system. Uh, I believe in the system, and hopefully these flaws are corrected at some point. Um, The Landlord and Tenant Board, uh, they did hire approximately 35 new adjudicators about a, a year ago to help relieve the backlog. And as I stated, it hasn't relieved anything. I would suggest that there's even more and more applications towards the board.
0: I've I've heard scuttlebutt in the circles that I kind of run around in that there are going to be some changes that were supposed to be coming this winter to the act from from Queens Park. We haven't seen anything yet come through, but we'll have to kind of keep our ears kind of out for that if there's any changes um, to the legislation. I wouldn't hold your breath. No, it's it's you know, we get a lot of people on our business. We were talking a bit before we started recording the podcast about, you know, we got calls from people. I've got some money thinking about getting into being a landlord. And I always kind of sit down with them a little bit and say, look, it's not Probably what you think it is where you just collect a check every month kind of like mr Roper from three's company. I think I don't know if you're old enough to remember that but it was You are okay, so it's not like it's not like that. It's much more active I've had rentals before I've sold my rentals because of the time commitment to do them So, you know, you have to kind of really have your eyes wide open when you're going to do this
1: And Jim, like I stated uh, previously, that um, to come in, be tight on a mortgage um, and a tenant stops paying, um, it's called a rainy day. And if that, that landlord has to have the capability to deal with that rainy day, which means no rents coming in, possibly damages in that apartment or house or this investment property, and also the next part is to have that money to pay somebody like, um, myself to represent you and go through this eight, nine month debacle. Um, I just, I, I, personally feel that there's a lot of investors, um, like you say, they look, oh, my mortgage is this, and this is how much the rent's going to be. This is going to be great. Um, I'm sure that does happen out there. And congratulations uh, to those uh, property owners. Um, but I see the other side. And um, personally, I wouldn't be a landlord uh, for all the tea in China. Uh, I do understand the strengths, but I've been um, tainted in my last 20 years of what I have seen. And um, in my opinion, there's no protection um, for landlords.
0: No, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. It is rather one-sided on the tenant side. One of the things that we, uh, because again, we deal with people from all sorts of, you know, landlords, tenants, homeowners, all sorts of things. But you know, a lot of the things out there first fallacies, uh, first and last month rent or uh, uh, rent deposits uh damage deposits you can't smoke in your unit like how many of these things are actually fallacy or and how many are fact because there seems to be a lot of fallacy out there
1: one thing the landlord tenant board did do a few years ago was make a standard rental agreement uh that was a major step forward um for uh everyone including tenants landlords everybody And that standard form is very easy to complete, and it deals with a lot of the issues of clarification, who's paying the hydro, for instance, uh, uh, what is the rental agreement, what are the terms, who are the parties, notices can be served by email. Um, It benefits everybody. The fallacies uh, that you speak of is, yes, there is a first and last month's rent, uh, non-issue. Security deposit, no such thing um you can put it in your rental agreement no smoking uh, that's a non-issue um, but the person can walk into to your apartment and start smoking the very next day then yes you can uh, serve an n5 uh, under enjoyment of living of others that will take you eight months to get rid of that tenant uh, yes you could uh, sue for damages uh, under that n5 as well um, but good luck to get that money out of them and the damages are already going to be done. Uh, No cats, no animals. Once again, uh, a fallacy. Yes, you can put it in your uh, rental agreement, um, but a person uh, can walk in with a dog, six dogs, six cats, the very next day. I remember having an issue here in town where it was a triplex where there was a a shared um, washer-dryer and the landlord was very clear Uh, no pets. Um, The one tenant was somewhat deathly allergic to cat hair. Well, the new tenant moved in and brought in six cats. So, here we are in a situation, if you can imagine, under the door, hair will, you know, move and also this shared washer-dryer where hair, you know, cat hair gets on people's bodies, socks, whatever. And it was a real bad situation, and I was able to get it resolved um, fairly fast. And I want to say three months or four months. We, we didn't even have to make a hearing, um, but it was devastating for the landlord and that one um, that one tenant. Um, once again, I do small claims court where breach of contract, you know, is punishable. Um in this circumstance, yeah, there's a breach of contract, but if that tenant wanted to protect their rights, which they have a choice, it would have taken us eight months. And quite frankly, there was no recourse to the tenant. The tenant would have been just evicted. There's no damages, there's no financial payout, there's no court costs in landlord tenant board. So quite frankly, uh for a tenant, um their uh, End of the day uh, would be just eviction where damages um, financial damages property damage um, Such as smoking or whatever uh, Landlords are in a real worse position um, To deal with problems than tenants
0: so Kind of circle back a little bit uh, what
1: can
0: landlords do to effectively screen tenants?
1: And once again, if you can uh, imagine uh, with the majority of my landlords, uh, I don't move them in, I move them out. That's my job. Uh, I don't get into the process of um, moving in tenants, but there are credit checks uh, that are available. Um, There's also employment. Uh, You can ask for pay stubs. Um, You can do references. And where I say references, such as somebody says I work for Jim Marshall. Well, you call Jim Marshall. A lot of um, I've seen over the years that there's references in there that I've uh, lived at Joe Blow's house for the last eight years and the rent was $1,500. Here's the number. So they phone Joe Blow, and Joe Blow, great tenant. Well, who's Joe Blow? The, uh, the point is behind it is lots of times it's turned out to be somebody's sister or boyfriend. They never live there. you know. So I heard one um, comment a couple of weeks ago, which I found interesting. As in, if somebody wanted to rent your property, and let's say we're in Perry Sound, and um their present address is 6 church street i'm just throwing out an address go do the rental application at their property yeah think about it you'll see what the place looks like you know you can get a little bit of information of why they're leaving if you know what i mean um so i you know again you have to do your due diligence um and um, there are numerous, numerous great tenants out there. I, I will say that. Uh, I'm just poisoned by the few bad ones.
0: I, I've got a bit of a theory on why we have bad tenants. And it comes down to, in my opinion, and you might disagree, some other people might disagree, but you know, if you look at the waiting list for for uh, social housing in a town like Perry Sound, it goes. I think it's about ten or twelve years right now. So I think a lot of a lot of tenants that end up co- coming into these places, and I'll I'm not going to say the specific, but there's a, a large one that opened in Perry Sound back about a year and a half ago. And what half the tenants that moved in have moved out because they can't afford it. There's been issues where they've had to remove some of the tenants out of the building. But you know, the again, I, I and, and a lot of these people are having problems with. With addiction, mental health issues, and a lot, and I, I think there's a big failure there in social housing in the town like Perry Sound, especially with the waiting list. There's no money, there's no property, and people have have to have a place to live.
1: I have a, a lot of personal comments, which I won't get it get into of uh, why I think some of this stuff happens. Um, but going back to square one. Um, the hub here in Perry sound um i was a little bit skeptical um but it's turned out to be a great facility and um uh, i think there should be more um places like that um erected I, in, in our like muskoka Perry sound everywhere um
0: i i i was a i'm going back i was a Perry sound town counselor back i think that happened about 2004 15 16 it's been yeah it's probably been about seven years now we dealt with it on the council level and i i thought it was a positive thing for the whole neighborhood there you know and we'd have neighbors that would come to council and you you know voice their objection to it it's like this is an improvement as opposed to having schools that bells are ringing all the time and things like that and i think it's been an absolute i agree the hundred percent and i think you know having some innovative ideas um for housing for people and you know housing is a wide a you know it's so many facets of it not just you know know, from from apartments to social housing to assisted housing to living with your parents in the basement it's i i think there's some success stories success stories out there i think unfortunately there's probably just as many if not more non-success stories
1: well, you know, and again, the hub is, in my opinion, very well run. Um, um, I like it uh, when it comes in to my line of work, uh, such as a purchase agreement goes through for a house, there's tenants. I give the notice we're going to a hearing. The problem is there are no vacancies out there. And if there are any vacancies, the rent is usually double from what that tenant was originally paying so it's creating again six years ago i would give a notice you know whatever there would be a moving process but these people have nowhere to go now and when i'm at these hearings even though i have a sale i have a purchaser i have the purchasers affidavit i have the purchaser at the hearing saying yes i'm moving in it's minimum one year um it's all legit The problem is you have a tenant that has nowhere to go. And um, that is the problem. Uh, And that creates a little bit of this turmoil uh, at these landlord tenant board hearings. There's tough decisions, you know? Um, And part of the act is the adjudicators have um, the discretion uh, to prolong tenants uh, evictions as well. And even though I have a purchase agreement that says, hey, you know, March 31st, this deal goes through or will be possibly in a breach of contract, the adjudicators don't care. Uh, They'll take that into consideration 100%. But they have to look at the big picture. And if we have uh, a family with some children that have been tenants there for five years, they're going to get probably a six-month extension because they got nowhere to go.
0: Like it or not, yep, absolutely. So if you want to get, and you kind of got into it a little bit there, vacant possession for using for your own use. So if I buy a duplex, for example, I'm going to live in the upstairs. I'm going to move my, let me just try to think. one of my sons into the basement apartment. Is that still doable?
1: And I I just want to clarify that, everybody uses the word vacant possession within the landlord tenant board. There's no such thing as an eviction for vacant possession. There has to be a purpose behind the termination of that tenant. And, um, first of all, if there's a purchase agreement and it's an incorporated company that is buying the property, there is no such thing as a personal use as in moving somebody in. It's just you accept what is known as holdover tenants and those tenants go with the property. Okay, so incorporated companies can't do personal use applications under your uh, scenario. um, If there was a purchase agreement and there's an upstairs downstairs, yes, you could evict both people um, under an N12 L2 application. Uh, Both tenants uh, or or both apartments uh, get one month free rent in compensation, um, and again, uh, we have to wait for a hearing. If the landlord doesn't move in, or that person doesn't move in, uh, the tenant uh, can come back and seek their rental increase uh, for one year against that um, that landlord. They can also go after uh, their moving costs. Uh, there's a fine, uh, up to $25,000 through the landlord tenant board. Um, and I was just reading a case the other day. There's something called general damages as well. And the case that I was reading the other day that, um, it was down in Barry. Uh, the landlord said, Hey, I'm selling. And, um, so told, told them to move out. Uh, they moved out, um. It was a family that, uh, husband and wife from five children. The landlord didn't sell the place, posted it immediately, doubled the rent and moved somebody in. So the general damages were assessed at $10,000 because of the turmoil for those children, such as moving out of their bedroom, you know, just moving in general. And uh, it was a, a hard slap. but. I I have no problem with that law, uh, whatsoever. Uh, Genuine intentions um, is what court should be about, and if anybody's trying to circumvent the rules, they should be punished.
0: Yeah, what 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 about getting what about getting possession or vacant or, or vacating a tenancy because you're doing renovations on a the unit or on the building that necessitates having uh having the unit vacant and you're going to be getting a uh, getting a building permit and all that to do that. What are the rules around that?
1: So that's known as an N thirteen uh, notice. Uh, it's uh, one hundred and twenty days uh, notice. Uh, to the tenant, but once again, we're in eight months. Uh, If the complex is more, uh, five or more units, we have to pay three months compensation. If it's less than the five months, it's one month compensation. It actually terminates the tenancy, but it has to be major renovations. It's not changing the flooring, it's gutting the place. And um, for landlords, it's somewhat a high bar to hit, um, to get that termination, and it is a termination. That tenancy is terminated on X date, and those people have to have their all their items removed out of this house, this apartment, whatever. The scenario comes into play that the tenant can ask for first right of refusal, which means once the place is um, uh, renovated, they can move right back in at the exact same rent so
0: which is which is you know there's a lot of reasons why a lot of um apartment buildings don't get a lot of work done to them and again
1: i I won't go down those streets but you know uh, it it, it's a catch-22 a lot of the n13s that i get involved with are major renovations um i usually try to offer tenants extra compensation because they're moved and because we are going to be maybe six months, nine months on the renovation, they are going to find other accommodations. So I'll give them more money to waive what is known as a T5 application um, and waive their rights to their first uh, right of refusal, uh, which when that date comes of termination, that's the end of it. There's no down the road, which means the landlord could sell the place. He could move in. He can re-rent it but you know that's and also that is only on consent that tenant has to agree to that
0: what about um there's a lot of talk and i think the catchphrase is cash for keys so i want to have vacant possession here's the cash you give me the keys we'll change hands and you're out of here is that legal
1: 100 percent, it is uh it's residential uh, tenancy uh, agreements are between adults not with any minors. And two adults can make a binding agreement at any time. Uh, The cash for keys, uh, I've done a lot of them. Uh, They vary in dollar amounts. Um, But it comes with something called an N11, which is an agreement to terminate. Um, The N11 uh, has always been the golden grail to landlords. Uh, if a tenant and a landlord agree on termination, an N11 must be signed. Um, a text message, uh, an email uh, doesn't hold any water with the landlord and tenant board. So it must be on an N11. The cash for keys does work, it is legal. But as I previously stated, uh, over the last year, I've entered into all kinds of negotiations trying to get a for instance a real estate deal done where there possibly could be a breach of contract because we can't close um but tenants even though i may offer five thousand ten thousand dollars they're really not interested in the five or ten thousand dollars because they have nowhere to go it's fine to have five ten thousand dollars and but they're going to sleep on a park bench and i have numerous ones going on right now it's not about the money it's about where are these people going to live and that's the problem with cash uh, cash for keys Um, i strongly suggest that uh, to numerous uh, clients all the time uh, under free advice um, to try to work it out uh, with the tenant um, before i get involved Um, instead of paying me pay the tenant Right. Um, but I want to say 85% of tenants right now are actually thinking of, but where am I going to go? And I totally agree with them and, and they may be paying a thousand dollars. They're going to pay $2,000. They may be going from a house to an apartment while well, they don't want to live in an apartment. The problem is once the process hits the landlord tenant board, if the paperwork is done correct, they do have to leave. And then they're throwing away the cash for keys deal that was previously there. So it's a real catch 22 for tenants. Um, I encourage all tenants uh, all the time to uh, deal with uh, duty council. Our offices out of Bracebridge and, you know, uh, duty council out of Bracebridge gives solid advice to these tenants of there's a pro, there's a con. Yes, you can hold off for five, six uh, months. But this is still going to happen so it, it's tough on tenants it, it, it really is
0: yeah because they call uh, they, they call me and mm-hmm. you know it's like you know Junna do, you know, do you have any apartments do you know of anything and you know the effect of vacancy rate in the town of Perry sound the last three years it's been really zero there haven't been yeah uh, we app, uh, th- people gave 30 40 applications for an apartment so it's a it's a huge issue what about um what about yearly increases? Um, I know that landlords are limited by law, how much they they could increase. I think that's two, five, 2.5% for 2023.
1: That's correct, it's 2.5. There was a two-year freeze through the pandemic. Um, and then one is provided to a tenant um, with 90 days notice for um, the rental increase. Uh, I tell every landlord, even though the 2.5, for instance, right now doesn't sound a, lo- uh, a lot on, let's say, a $1,000 rent, it's 25 bucks. It will add up and y- you have to do it, even though it doesn't sound like a lot of money, you have to do it. Um, the sad part is it's only 2.5% where we all know material, gas, everything is a lot more than that uh, kind of increase. But why there is this guideline is because um, they have to protect um, the tenants that landlords can't jump. And I have so many landlords right now that have actually demolished their properties and done rebuilds over the last couple of years because Ford's government a few years ago, can't remember the year, brought in on any new building. I believe it was from 2019. I just can't remember any new build, um, there is no rental increase uh, guideline. So a lot of investors are buying older buildings where the rents are lower, uh, doing an N13 for uh, demolition, knocking these places to the ground, investing in new builds, which they're not under the rules of rental increases uh, governed by um, the RTA. And so these landlords, if they do have a problem tenant, the first thing they do is jack the rent by 1500 bucks.
0: Well, the, the the issue when you don't do the yearly rentals, and we see it in very sound often where I, there was a building, I think, well, two years ago for sale down the street from me, it was a fourplex. It was built in the late 1980s, and one of the tenants was still paying. 800 and some on it for two bedrooms 1100 square foot because as they said well they generally don't increase the rent year by year couldn't sell that building for a long time because the rents didn't support the value
1: i have so, one one over in bracebridge that the average rent is 600 dollars on seven units um um the landlord never raised the uh, rent uh, over 15 years uh landlord got ill um decided to sell the investors have come in and bought it under a demolition yeah and and once again what are we doing we're wiping out tenancies affordable income or affordable housing and you know that's for another political show
0: well that's what the the whole legislation has to be looked at because you know you have to look at kind of down the line how these things are going to affect tenancies and you know the government the provincial government is talking about building more housing the federal government but you know how these are part of the part of the 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 solution and these have to be it's not just building homes up on the green belt north of toronto or whatever it's you know like building taxes that is for or or grants or something it's hard to it's hard to even get money to build you want to build an naplex in Perry sound right now try to get funding for it
1: and you know, it's interesting. You uh, said that about you know possible development and these plans coming in, but we all know that's going to be ten years, maybe fourteen years down the road. How is a place just like Perry Sound um, going to survive with no occupancy? You know, if people are like, it's mind-boggling that this stuff hasn't been an ongoing problem. Um, Yes, we did get an influx of a lot of purchases, as you're well aware. Uh, And I was involved in numerous um, sales where we got flooded from Toronto, buying properties here. I was evicting tenants. But let's say it was an upstairs-downstairs house. Um, The people from Toronto bought, moved in personally, but we just lost two rental units. I personally probably in one year did 50 of those. Well, there's 50 rental units, you know, and, and, downstairs, downstairs, that's a hundred.
0: We see, it, we see it in hotels in the area that you can't get most of the year. You can't get a hotel vacancy if you want to spend the weekend in Paris South, because a lot of the hotels are being rented out to people. Yes. Workers, families. We had one last year, a family of four that were renting in a local hotel for over a year.
1: Yeah. Incredible
0: it's sad it's sad but it's just i i don't know what the answer is but it certainly can't be done at the municipal level it's got to come from the upper echelons of government so I agree. No. well we've been on for longer than i planned but you know it's a great discussion there's so much we can talk about and continue on if people want to uh learn more about you and make perhaps uh, you know uh, uh hire you to pr- you know prepare documents or advice where can they find you
1: Well, it's, uh, I think the easiest way is just to Google Kelly Draycott Paralegal in Perry Sound and uh, my web uh, site will pop up with all the information. Um, I really don't advertise uh, because the amount of work uh, that is in our area. Um, COVID actually brought us out of the archives and where I used to just do Muskoka Perry Sound. Um, everything is by zoom, um, with small claims court and landlord tenant board, except trials in small claims court. So if you can imagine, I do it right across Ontario now. Um, so I can help anybody anywhere. Um, it's just, uh, I love to give free advice all the time because a lot of people just need a little bit of guidance. And, um, that's been my game plan for 20 years and nothing's going to change with that
0: well we'll put your contact information in the show notes as well kelly thank you so much for being so gracious and give us some time this afternoon and uh we'll talk to you soon okay okay take care Bye 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 bye